Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Stevens Creek. Okay, thank you over here. You were with me. Good morning, Stevens Creek. Well, we're, we're, we're almost there. Some of you are like me. You're still in recovery mode from the hour sleep that we lost last Sunday. I'm still not quite there yet. I'm hoping maybe another week I will be there. What a, what a privilege to be here at Stevens Creek this morning. Now, Pastor Marty said that I have the opportunity to visit 270 churches just like Stevens Creek. Not. Not at all. This is a privilege to be able to come to this church in a well-oiled machine. And let me tell you how it works. Leadership. There is no substitute for leadership. And I'm thankful to God for the leadership that you have, Pastor Marty and Patty uh, Baker, and the work that they have done 32 years. And here's what I believe the greatest, the best is yet to come. All right, we're, we're going to talk here just a little bit this morning. The best is yet to come. The best. Is, and what you're hearing was happening in Denver, Colorado. It's just the beginning of what God is going to do. Because it's not about us. That's part of that Rick Warren book. It's not about us. But it is about God and about his kingdom. One of the books that I like to read, he talked about Rick Warren's book and the Bible. I'll add one more to that that I have behind my desk. It's Dr. Seuss, If I Ran the Circus. Sometimes I feel like that's what I'm running. Would you stand together, please, this morning? I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have that, or watch the screen. To Luke chapter 18. Pastor Marty told you that I was going to talk about prayer today. And I want to come to you out of a burdened heart. It is something that I love. I love that discipline in my life. I'm not the greatest at it. I'm I'm still working on my prayer life. And here's what I don't want to happen. When you mention that subject, the enemy begins to work. The enemy begins to talk. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. I come against the spirit of condemnation that the enemy would put on you. That the enemy would talk about. That maybe your prayer life hasn't been what you need. But I come to you today to share with you the power of prayer. Because what I believe more than anything, it is time for the church believers to rise up and pray. We are in a difficult, difficult day. These are the last days, I believe, that this world will know before Jesus Christ returns. And I refuse to believe that the church that Jesus died for is going out in a weak moment. I do not believe we're going out in a whimper. And despite what we see on the news, despite what the culture would have us believe, the church of Jesus Christ is strong. The church of Jesus is militant. And we don't have to walk in here with our heads down and with burdened hearts, with with burdened shoulders. But no, when we walk out the door, we sing about it. I'm a child of God. And as a child of God, we have authority over what we're dealing with. We have authority over the culture. And through the power of prayer, we can exercise 
that authority. In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, hear the words of the Lord. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And though he would not for a while, but afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Though he bears long with them, I tell you, though he be- lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out to him night and day, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Would you bow your heads, please? Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for the privilege that we have to come in and to worship you. We thank you this morning, Lord, for this church, for its ministry, and everything that is happening here. And Lord, I thank you with all my heart this morning for the privilege of speaking your word. Words that you ordained before I breathed my first breath. And you knew everyone who would be in this room today. You knew the number of hairs that were on top of their head. You knew what their heart would be heavy with today. And Lord, you have made provision for us that when we leave this place today, that we are victorious through you. The battle has already been won. And help us to realize today that through the partnership of prayer that we have with you, that our circumstances can change. That there can be an awakening in this nation one more time. That your name can be lifted up and will be lifted up when the people of God unite themselves together in partnership and prayer with you. Lord, I just ask in these next few moments that your Holy Spirit, I pray that their hearts would be open to the power of your word. Let it be strong. Give me the words to say, Lord, that need to be said to this congregation. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory in Christ's name. Now, before you sit down, some of you have yet to smile. I've been watching you on the front row. I have eyes in the back of my head. I want you to turn to the person next to you, get the biggest smile you've got, and say, you look about as good as I think you're ever going to look. And you can be seated. And if you're sitting by your companion, fiancé, you can explain that one on the way home. (laughs) To those of us who were alive at 9-11, we remember exactly where we were. We remember exactly what we were doing. The world stopped that day. We could not believe what we were watching on the news. We could not believe what was happening. And the world changed. And what became known in the days after of subsequent terrorist attack 
the culture defined as the new normal. And what they were saying was, this is now the way life is. To the young men and women who are in this place who were born after 9-11, you have no idea what it was before 9-11. It is now just life. But to those of us who knew it before then, it's now become the new normal. And what the culture was saying is, just accept it. This is the way life is from now on. There are going to be terrorist attacks one right after the other. We have seen it this week as 50 people in New Zealand lost their life in a terrorist attack. What was amazing was it made a couple of news cycles in the very beginning. But now it's already fading off of the scene. Though it's tragic, it was horrible, what's happening is our emotions have become jaded. We kind of accept that. That's just the way life is. And so many times we as believers, the Christian church, has adopted that kind of same attitude in our walk with the Lord and in our circumstances that we deal with in life. Things happen. Difficulty comes our way. Things that we don't expect to happen. And we just accept them for what they are. The enemy tells us that we have no power to change it. There is absolutely nothing we can do about it. Just accept it for what it is. In this passage of Scripture, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus gave us a beautiful story. I love this story. It's only a few verses, eight verses or so. But he talks to us about a widow woman who had been wronged. And life for her had become the new normal. Somebody had wronged her. It was an injustice. And the culture would say to her, that's just the way it is. You've got to accept it. But she refused to accept the new normal of her culture. Because she knew there was one who could fix it. There was one who could make it right. And she was determined with all of her heart that she was going to continually go to him until he fixed what was wrong. Understand this morning, brothers and sisters, that the new normal to the believer is not defined by the culture. It's not defined by what is going on on CNN or MSNBC or Fox or whatever brand that you want to watch. But to us, the child of God that we sang about this morning, it comes with rights and privileges. Because our normal is not defined by the culture. Our normal is defined by the Word of God. What does the Word say that we are? What does the Word say that we can do? It's also defined by the power of the blood of Jesus. And it's also defined by the energizing power of the Holy Spirit. And prayer is the communication. That we can go to an almighty God and see our circumstances change. But here's what I find happens when we don't pray. When we don't really go to God, here's what we're saying to Him. God, I really don't need you. I can handle this for myself. And when difficulty comes, here's what we do. We tend to turn to those gifts and talents and abilities that God has given to us, and we try to fix it with those natural talents. If God has given you money, you'll try to buy your way out. If He's given you an education... You'll try to figure your way out. If he's given you charisma, you'll try to swoon your way and fix the situation. But those are carnal weapons that you cannot carry to a spiritual battle. Understand that we are in spiritual warfare against the enemy of our soul. 
The enemy hates us. The enemy despises us. Why? Because we were made in the image and in the likeness of God. And he doesn't like it when we come into the house of the Lord and we worship him and we exalt him and we give him praise. But what can we do? The Bible makes an interesting statement to me. In the very beginning of God's word. Now when we talk about prayer, many times we'll very quickly go to the model prayer of Jesus. And we understand that, we know that, we pray that, and that is a very beautiful prayer. But I believe in the very beginning of God's Word, He showed us the pattern that we need to adopt. And the Bible says this in the very beginning of God's Word, and to be honest with you, it's a passage that I don't fully understand. There's part of this that I don't have a revelation on. If you have it, you can share it with me after service. But I want to read it to you. It goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And some of you are going, what? You have, what? You have, no, no. I don't have a problem with that. I know that he did it. Let's go on. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of the Lord hovered upon the face of the waters. Here's what I don't get. The Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. One translation says, and the earth was chaotic. The King James said it was without form and void. Here in my rational mind was what I had difficulty processing. Here is the God of divine order. And God creates it, and it's chaotic. It's without form and void. Now here's the question that I have for you. Was it in the mind of God for there to be divine order in the universe? Was it in the mind of God that there would be a sun? And in our particular solar system, there would be nine planets. And the planet Earth on which you and I live, that we would rotate around that sun in an orbit of 365 days. And while we were rotating around that sun, that it would, the Earth would spin on its axis. And, and part of the time, six months out of the year, it would tilt toward the sun in the northern hemisphere. Thank God we are moving toward that again. That winter is over. Thank God for pollen in the parking lot. I'll take it a few days because I know that warm weather is coming. I'm going to be playing golf, not over here at Augusta. I wish, but I'll be playing golf somewhere and enjoying the warm. Was that in the mind of God? Yes, it was in the mind of God. And as I tried to process that, I tried to, what is going on? But the Bible says this about the chaos that it was. The Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. It hovered over the chaos. Well, what made the difference? And though I might not understand, that's what happened. Different commentators give different reasons. I don't know. But it's what happened after that to me that made the difference. Because what happened was God began to speak to the chaos. Where we see in the subsequent verses, we see time and time again. The Bible says, God said. God said. God said. Over and over and over again in that passage in Genesis. When God spoke to the chaos, divine order came out of the chaos. Here's what I believe He's telling us from that. Brothers and sisters, we live in a chaotic world. 
There are times in our life when chaos comes. It does not escape any of us. And I don't know what chaos you brought into the sanctuary this morning at Stevens Creek. But I am here to tell you this. That the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is already brooding over your chaos. The Spirit of God is there. Oh, it may be for somebody else far off. It may be a son or a daughter that doesn't even live in Augusta. But can I tell you, there is no place that you can escape the presence of God. What did the psalmist say? If I took wings and flew to the heavens, you're there. If I made my bed in the depths of hell, your spirit is there. Brothers and sisters, the spirit of God is over the chaos. And what he wants to do to us, he wants you to do exactly what he did. Begin to speak prophetically to the chaos. And by the spirit of God, say, come forth. Life, come forth out of death and watch God begin to work. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of our tongue. Brothers and sisters, there is life when you speak. There is power when you speak. There is authority when you speak in Jesus' name. Now here's what I want us to see. Three simple things. Number one, the position of prayer. What's the position that I need to pray in? Now, there are two things. Number one, there's obviously the body position that we're talking about. And the Word of God is filled with different positions that you will see people pray. Sometimes they will kneel. Sometimes they will just lay flat. But for me, when I pray, I'm a walker. I'll just, I'll just get my Bible. I'll read. And then I just begin to walk. I just begin to move back and forth. But... It's really not the outward position or whatever position that we're in that really matters to God. What really matters is the inward position of our hearts that goes before God. It's the inward position that gets the attention of God. Here's how I believe we're to go to Him. We are to go to Him in a heart of humility. Now let that sink in this morning. Humility. What is that? When's the last time that we talked about being humble in this culture? And I believe this morning we are living in the most self-centered, egotistical culture that America has ever known. I submit to you Exhibit A. Facebook. Now, before you think I'm just some prehistoric dinosaur that just got off the ark... Listen, I get it. It is a great tool for communication uh, and all those kind of things. I get it. I I have a mom. She is 80 years of age. She is on Facebook every day of her life. (laughs) My brother and I, we have this pact with people that we know, and we just tell everybody we're not responsible for one thing our mom puts on Facebook. Not one. We'll be riding down the road, and my wife, she'll, she'll do Facebook. No, she does. I don't. I, I have other things that I need to do, like live my life. <laughs> and we'll be riding down the road, and she'll say, Did you see what your mom put on? No, I didn't, and don't read it to me. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. So we were just giving her a hard time one Christmas. I mean, you go to visits. You don't see them a whole lot, and she's sitting over there just going on Facebook. Did you say, no, don't, didn't see it, don't want to hear about it? And we said, why, why don't you get off of that? 
And she said these words and rebuked us, and I felt bad. She said, well, it helps me keep up with all my old friends. I get that. I felt rebuked. Yep, 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 yep. But here's just what wears me out about it. Every time you look at Facebook, Facebook is all about me. Look who I'm eating a hamburger with. Look who I am with. Look where I am going. Who cares who you're eating a hamburger with? Eat your hamburger. Nobody's humble on Facebook. Everybody's great. Everybody's having a wonderful day. Not. No way that's happening. Here's the point, though, when we come to Jesus, when we come to God. We cannot go to him with our ego. There's nothing great that we can present to him. Isaiah had it in Isaiah chapter 6. He walked in. He had a spiritual vision of the Lord. And the Bible says about Isaiah that he saw the Lord, that he was high and lifted up. And his garment filled all of the temple. He He was a great and a mighty God. Understand this this morning. Our world has never been more out of control than it is today. But hear me. The God that we're worshiping, the God that we're singing about, the God that loves you this morning, He is seated very comfortably on the throne. He is not worried about what is going on in our world. He has it all in the palm of His hand. He sees the end from its very beginning. And our life is in Him. And we are victorious in Him. Him and nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Come on, put your hands together this morning. But Isaiah, when he saw him, he didn't get on the Facebook of his day. He didn't write a book about it. He didn't go on television. When he saw the Lord, he saw himself for who he really was. And he said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm, I'm dwelling in the midst, of, I'm dwelling in a culture of a people of unclean lips. And he asked the Lord to touch him. Brothers and sisters, when we go to God, we've got to go to him with a heart of humility. That we owe our life to him. He holds our very next breath in the palm of his hand. What are you going to do to impress God? But when you go to him in a heart of humility, Lord, I'm here today because I love you. I'm telling you, he hears that prayer. He runs to that prayer. The second thing I want us to see very quickly is the power of prayer. What gives prayer its power? We sang about it this morning. It's based on the covenant that Jesus made with God on our behalf. What is a covenant? A covenant is an unbreakable relationship between two parties. Now, we don't really understand a lot about covenants other than maybe when people get married, that is a covenant relationship that they enter into. And if you ever hear the concept prenuptials, what that means is they're not going to make it. destined for failure and they've already worked it out at the end of this situation here this is how we're going to part ways that's kind of a contract or if you go buy a car you go and you want the best deal and you will haggle back and forth with the car dealer and i don't care how good a deal i've ever gotten i always drive away half mad that i should have held out for 500 more dollars That's contract. God doesn't work with us in a contract relationship. It's covenant. 
And it always involves three things. Number one, a sharing of possessions. What the two parties say is, whatever I own, you own. You're welcome to it all. There's a sharing of protection where they say to each other, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I don't care who comes against you. I'm going to protect you. It's just like your kids. You know what? I can get on to my kids, but you better be quiet because they're mine. I'm going to protect them regardless. And then there's a sharing of personhood. And oftentimes what would happen, a cut would be made in the wrist. And the blood, they would, they would clasp those wrists and the blood would, would flow together. That symbolized they had become one person. Brothers and sisters, 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered into a blood covenant with God the Father on our behalf. What kind of blood was it? Was it human blood? Yeah, it was human blood. Because the Bible tells us there's one God, one mediator between God and men. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus understands how you feel. He never buckled underneath the weight of the load. Secondly, it's divine blood. Because God said God purchased the church with his own blood. And in doing that, here's what he did. Paul told us in Colossians that he being Jesus destroyed every principality. Understand this. Every power. And made a show of the enemy openly. Triumphing over him by the power of the cross. That word didn't say that he destroyed the powers of the enemy until the year 2000 or until the year 2015. Whatever it is that you brought into this place, whatever you're dealing with in your life, let me tell you, it has already been defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you go to prayer, you can plead the blood because the blood has destroyed the works of the devil. You need to give him praise for that this morning. Secondly, here's, here's what I like. Not only is it a blood covenant, but it's a word covenant. Get this in your spirit because this is important when you pray. Psalm 138 verse 2, scripture I love. It says, you have magnified your word above all your name. Oh, we know about the name of Jesus, don't we? God exalted him and given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus But this passage said, you have even magnified, elevated your word above all your name. God watches over his word. He is married to his word. I remember there was a time in my life, I've always believed in prayer. But you know, there there are crisis moments that come that takes you to a deeper dimension in prayer. Now, I'm a type A personality. Just by virtue of what I do, I have to fix things. And sometimes it, it's hard. But when personal problems come, I remember one time I said, you know what, I'll fix this. Because that's just my nature. I'll say one more word and that'll fix it. I'll do one more thing and that'll fix it. I tried it. It got worse. Every time I would say something, it got worse. Every time I put my plan, it got worse. I said, well, you know what? And I heard the Holy Spirit just speak to me. The Holy Spirit of God said, you're going to trust me through this one. You're going to depend on me and my word through this one. 
So I determined I was going to get up every day and go to my place of prayer and seek the Lord. I'd never prayed an hour, a full hour in my life at one time. I was determined I I was going to pray until. So I just started praying. After a few minutes, I ran out of words. And you know what I decided? So I went to God's Word, and I began to write scriptures. And I wrote them on that piece of paper. In the first couple of days, and and as I said, I'm a walker. I'm going to try to stay in the light. I've got about a 15, 20-foot space that I walk and pray. And I just started saying those verses of scripture. Lord, you said that I was the head and not the tail. Lord, you said that no weapon formed against me would prosper. Lord, you said that if I would abide in you and your words would abide in me, that I could ask what I will and it would be done. Lord, you said that whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and doubt not in his heart, to him it shall be done. Lord, those are your words. Those those are not the words of Pastor Marty. Those are not the words of the church of God. Those are not the words of, of any other fellowship. No, Lord, those are your words. I bring your word to you. And I'm telling you, the more I begin to speak the word of the Lord, because here's what the enemy does. The enemy knows the power of this book. The enemy has read the back of the book and he knows he's defeated. And and the enemy comes and and it might be more high-tech today than he did in the garden. It it might be on an iPad. It might be on on your iPhone, whatever. It might be more high-tech, but the strategy is still the same. What did he do in the beginning of, of God's Word? He came to Eve and he said these words that he still says to us. Did... God really say. There's the battle right there. Did God say it? But when you take and you begin to speak the word of the Lord, you see, God has trapped himself to his word. Not unintentionally, but intentionally. Because that's what he said in Jeremiah. He said, call me and I will answer you. I will show up and show you great and mighty things. When you begin to speak the word of the Lord, let me tell you, something in the atmosphere changes. Something begins to happen. Life begins to move. And God begins to work. And when I couldn't work it out, when I didn't have a strategy that worked, God was working something on the backside that I never knew about. And I'm here to tell you today that He does watch over His word. There is victory in in our life today, there is victory over what I prayed, not because of me, but because of God and because I partnered with Him in His Word. He watches over His Word. So this widow woman, here's the last thing, the perseverance of prayer. And this is so important. Because we can be moved to go pray one time, two times, three times. But here's where the enemy gets us. We live in such an instant gratification society. I mean, when I was growing up as a boy, my brother and I, my dad would pick us up at 3.30 before he began to pastor the church. 
he would pick us up and take us home so we could get home by 4 o'clock and watch Superman. The real Superman. The black and white Clark Kent. Not, not this other fellow. And so he would go over to the stove and cook us some popcorn. And back in the dark ages, he would go over, put it on the eye, and when he heard the first kernel pop, he would get up and go over there and start shaking it. Now, we got some seasoned saints here this morning. I see you smiling. You know what I'm talking about. I see the young ones going, man, this guy's weird. You know, today, you know, and he would stand there and shake that thing until that tenfold cloud appeared. He'd tear it back and we'd eat popcorn and watch Superman. You know, today, you don't even have to be able to read to get popcorn. All you got to do is just tear the cellophane off, throw it in the microwave, look for the popcorn symbol. Punch it, going about your business. Two and a half minutes, three minutes later, ding. You got popcorn. You're instant popcorn. Everything is instant. And so many times we run to our place to pray. And we pray and we don't get the answer the first time. And here's what the enemy says. Must not be God's will. God didn't hear your prayer. Something's wrong with you. I've, I've heard people tell me that. What I just described to you this morning, the difficult season that, that we went through, there's victory today. But it was about eight years. You know how many times I wanted to quit in those eight years? First time or two, you know, and people will tell you all that, well, you need to look at yourself. There's something wrong with you. You know what I want to tell those people that told me that? Excuse me, but I want to say, shut up, please. No. No. Not, nothing we had done. But the enemy will tell you it's too deep, been too long. It's not God's will. He's not going to answer this prayer. This widow woman came to this judge who could fix it. And the Bible says that the judge didn't care about her. He didn't care about this lady, this widow woman, and even more, didn't care about her God. But here's what happened. She knew he could fix it. And so every day he would come going to the courthouse and she would just follow him, I believe just wearing him out. You can fix it. I want justice now. Five o'clock he came out to go home. There she sits again, day after day after day after day. She would not give up. Till finally one day, hey, that's enough. That's it. I give up. Give her what she wants. I'm tired of listening to this woman. That's basically what he said. And here's what Jesus said. How much more will God avenge his own elect, his children, who cry out to him day and night? Here's what I'm telling you. Persevere in prayer. Daniel prayed for 21 days. And on that 21st day, an angel is loosed. And what did the angel tell him? Daniel, the first time you prayed, the answer was released. The answer was on the way. But there was spiritual warfare. And Michael, one of the princes, was released so that the answer could be released to you. 
What if Daniel had quit the third day, the fourth day? Here's what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters. Prayer works. God answers prayer. You're the apple of his eye. He has engraved your name in the palm of his hand. And when you cry out to him, he hears you. And he's going to answer your prayer. Don't give up. Would you stand, please? Father, we just thank you this morning for the privilege of prayer. We know that you're a prayer-answering God. I know it in my own life. I admit to you my weakness today. But you've proven your word strong to me. My faith is stronger today. Lord, I pray for everybody in this congregation this morning. Whatever it is they brought into this place. Help them to realize today that they are not alone. That you are walking with them. That through the power of prayer, their life, their circumstances can change. I pray that you would burn in their spirit the desire to get up and pray. To set a time to be alone with you. Not just for our own selfish things, but Lord, just to fellowship with you. To feel your presence. To know you in a more intimate way. And even right now, Lord, I I speak for a situation that I'm dealing with. It's hundreds of miles away this morning. And there is conflict, there is difficulty. But I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would dispatch mighty warring angels to go to that place this morning and give the peace of God in that house. I speak it today. Give wisdom. Give wisdom in that house this morning for your holy name's sake. And for every bit of chaos, Lord, that people brought in, I pray that you would help them this morning to begin to speak life. Prophesy to it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I know that you will honor that. Show yourself strong that your name is lifted up. Your name is glorified. And it will draw people to you. Let them realize there is a God who is alive. He answers prayer and delivers. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. For in your name we ask it. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.